It's a test tube Thursday, which means it's time to talk science. Dan Riskin is here. Good morning, sir. Good morning. How are you? I'm okay. So I don't know if this necessarily pertains to the episode in the 1980s where everybody was having false memories of sexual assault, but uh, you've got some new research on just how quickly your brain can create a memory that seems real but is not. It kind of does relate to the 1980s where everybody was having false memories of things because we kind of think we understand where false memories come from. And they come from the fact that you you have an original memory and then you keep revisiting it and you keep slightly modifying it when you go back. And the longer you take with it, the more it can depart from what actually happened. And a big piece of how that the new story uh, evolves is what you expect. And so in the 80s, you know, there was just a lot of talk about abductors and aliens and people in white vans picking people up and all these different ways that people could get taken off the street and assaulted. And so it became part of an expectation in the background. And then it started to fill the gaps of a whole bunch of people's memories. And and fortunately, we're not doing that as much anymore. And a lot of that stuff's been disproven. It didn't happen to very many people, but a lot of people had these memories. This new study is trying to get at where those false memories come from. And the, the details are a little bit complex and hard to explain in a short amount of time. But basically, they were showing letters on a screen. And sometimes the letter was the way you expect to see the letter of an alphabet, like a C that's open on the right side and closed on the left side, but sometimes it was reversed. So it was like a backward C. So it was open on the left and closed on the right, just a mirror image of a C. And what they would do is they would show a whole bunch of letters at the same time and then ask people what they saw. And they were able to experimentally sort of disentangle the mistake of seeing something and immediately just miss seeing it versus correcting the memory. I expected to see a proper C because I've seen a million C's before. And so I correct my memory to be a proper right way around C. And what they showed experimentally is that that correction can happen in half a second. And so it's not just a long-term phenomenon. There's actually something that happens in the very short term that starts fixing things. I mean, the thing about memories, when you really learn about memories and how fallible they are, it becomes amazing that they are used in court at all. Like Mm -hmm. eyewitness testimony, people who really understand memory memory say like I don't believe eyewitness testimony period because the human memory is so fallible and can be broken in so many ways and make so many mistakes based on what it's expecting that I, I need different kinds of evidence before I believe things if you tell me you were there and you saw the whole thing and you really believe it's true to me that is not evidence at all and it, it's really compelling when you learn about it yeah well it's fascinating because I know they've done so many experiments for example in some psychology classes they'll have a guy run into the class and do something dramatic and and then run out and then they'll give everybody a quiz and say report on what you saw and the eyewitness accounts are all quite divergent because memory is fallible yeah you know i i participated we made a tv show once for the discovery channel in the states and what we did is we took a, a group of students for a walk and while we went for the walk a crime was we, we set it up so that somebody got mugged not one of the students but they witnessed the mugging and they saw the person who did it and then the person took off and then we spent the next day or two trying to figure out the the profile of the person who did it so we all went and talked to a, a person who could reconstruct the face and did all these things and we got to a point with this group of students where they said they were 80 percent sure they could pick them out of a lineup then we presented a bunch of pictures of potential perps and they all picked one and these people were like 80 percent sure that they had the right guy picked out and then while they're doing this somebody comes into the room and asks for his daughter to use the bathroom and nobody blinks and the kid uses the bathroom and they leave and then we we reveal that the guy who came in and asked to use the bathroom is the mugger and nobody could pick them out cool
Okay. It was cool. Um, it was funny. Joe, producer of the show, was asking me if I had any stories to tell you for this next um, bit of research, and I don't. I've never had a creepy feeling that I'm not alone. When I'm alone, I'm alone. Huh. Yeah, there's um, there's a phenomenon that happens to a lot of people where they just feel like there's somebody in the room. And maybe people can light up your text board with like, yeah, that happens to me. And the, the big question I have scientifically, having read this, this latest sort of uh, review of the literature on that, is that it seems to be associated with when you first wake up. And so if you're somebody that's listening who's had the feeling that there's somebody in the room, I definitely know there's a presence here. That's a normal thing that happens with people's brains. But uh, according to this research, one of the main reasons it can happen is because of the transition between the dream state and the awake state. And the fact that when a lot of people wake up, there's something called sleep paralysis, where when you're when you're having rapid eye movement sleep and you're dreaming, your body becomes paralyzed so that you don't get out of your bed and run around the room and, and hurt yourself. And sometimes you stay paralyzed after you wake up until you're, you're awake, but you can't move your body. And that's very freaky and distorts the sort of sense of self. And a lot of people have the sense that there's somebody in the room under those circumstances. But um, it, it's apparently a, a, a real piece of the brain not working uh, that scientists are trying to get at. And it really has to do with the self and the idea of who yourself is. And whenever you get a feedback from your body that doesn't quite match what you're used to, sometimes the brain fills in the gaps and says, oh, there must be somebody else here. So it has something to do with the way you're perceiving your own self. And there's even a part of the brain you can stimulate called the temporal parietal junction with, with, with when people zap it with uh, electrodes they can make uh, the person who's having their brain zapped suddenly feel like there's another person in the room a shadow self it's very interesting stuff okay not a lot of time on the clock but i promised you'd talk about mosquitoes light pollution makes it harder to see the stars and apparently it extends mosquito season yeah, new research out of Ohio suggesting that because of urban light pollution, mosquitoes are going into hibernation at the end of the summer much later, and so they're biting us later. The good news is more of them are dying because they're not going into hibernation soon enough, but uh, there's still plenty of mosquitoes the next year, so I don't think we're really getting much of a benefit there. But uh, yeah, light pollution, lots of reasons not to like it, but one of them seems to be more mosquito bites and potentially more West Nile virus as a result, but more mosquito bites, nobody likes that. Super. Thanks a lot, man. Thank you. Dan Riskin is our science expert.